Hey, 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 and welcome back to the Duality Podcast with Jess Bella today. Unfortunately, it's not your favorite duo for this episode. It's just me, Bella. Simi is off traveling the world. So here I am recording this episode today. And the topic for today's episode is clean beauty, the dirty truth, the dirty, ugly truth behind clean beauty if you see what I did there. Um, So I wanted to do an episode on this just because I felt like it's something I have personally had a lot of questions about. I, I mean, everywhere, every single time I go, I literally went into Ulta today and there's all these ads for clean beauty this and like organic and clean and safe and all natural, non-toxic And I feel like I am someone who wants to be health conscious, but I never really know what any of those terms mean. And especially as I'm, I don't know, investing in like certain beauty products, I really feel like it's important to know what I'm putting on my skin every day. So I thought this would be a great episode for me personally, just to learn more about. And then also just to provide like a intro knowledge to this stuff. I mean... While I was researching, I realized you can go extremely deep into this stuff and there's a lot of people have conflicting opinions on some things, but basically in this episode, I just want to outline the basics of clean beauty and yeah, what, what, what it's really kind of, um, all about and what it means. So I thought I'd start off today with talking about some stats about clean beauty So research done by Brand Essence estimates that nearly one-third of the U.S. market is now labeled as clean, um, one-third of the beauty market in the U.S., with an increase of 12% expected from 2020 to 2027, which is insane. I think not only is it a testament to people wanting cleaner products, but it also really just exemplifies how companies are kind of getting on board with this with this concept as well and also uh, just for some social media stats currently clean beauty has 5.6 million hashtag views on instagram and 1.2 billion on tiktok so needless to say it's definitely a large market and that is because i mean there's a lot of reasons but one of the reasons is because fun fact the skin is actually the largest organ in the body so i feel like everyone's really on board with, you know, what we're putting on our largest organ every single day is, uh, yeah, really important. So while I was doing this research, probably the most insane thing that I learned is that there actually is no clear definition of clean beauty. There's no consensus on what specific substances and chemicals need to be avoided or embraced. It's clean beauty quote unquote, is an unregulated term. So different brands and companies and stores, they're all going to define this very differently since it's unregulated by any governing power. Like I know in our our previous episode about animal products and organic and stuff like that, organic is a term regulated by the FDA. So, you know, there is a governing body that is kind of like saying what is considered organic and what is not. 
but with clean beauty, that's not the case. So research into these brands is so, so much more key and important for consumers to have just because there's, yeah, there's really no one other than ourselves and certain companies who put together different lists of clean beauty it's all different. Also, I think it's also very case-by-case basis because so much of clean beauty is related to allergens and different people are allergic to different things. So it's definitely a very convoluted topic, but I did want to dive into the regulation of beauty products in the U.S. just for some perspective. So this is actually an extremely complicated topic because the Food and Drug Administration slash the FDA doesn't have any really clear definition for clean or other cosmetic terms. The FDA passed the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act back in 1938, but ingredients used in cosmetics, with the exception of color additives, are exempt from FDA regulatory practices, which is actually insane. Like, basically, it's it's kind of a largely unregulated market, which now that I think about it is like honestly a little bit scary because you know lip gloss like I put it on my lips and it go I ingest it or like mascara it's going right on my eyelashes so it's going into my eyes and like moisturizers and things like that that's all going into our skin so definitely something that I want to look more into and it's actually a different story in other countries so though the FDA within the United States isn't really regulating the ingredients used in cosmetics. The European Union currently bans more than 1,300 ingredients from use in cosmetics. And that's just, yeah, for some perspective, in the US, the Food and Drug Administration bans 11 cosmetic ingredients. So shout out to the EU because they're really you know, banning these harmful ingredients way more than the U.S. is. Last fall, I guess for some hope for us, um, Congress actually introduced the Safer Beauty Bill package, which if passed, it's going to give some legal definitions for terms like natural and naturally derived, and it will ban ingredients like parabens and formaldehyde. And later in this um, episode, I'm going to go into why parabens and formaldehyde are harmful and why they honestly should definitely be banned from cosmetics. And then also quite concerning, in a written testimony to the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee, which is like a government body, it's been said that 617 cosmetic makers have reported using 93 chemicals that have been linked to cancer, birth defects, or reproductive harm in more than 81,000 products. And this is all cited, this is data cited from the California Safe Cosmetics Program, which is part of the state's Department of Public Health. So this isn't even like conspiracy theory, underground niche knowledge. This is legit data from actual factual, um, credible sources. And all the sources that I used here, I'll, I'll be citing as well, so you can refer to them. But needless to say, that's definitely a problem. And things are actually slowly changing. Legislation is winding its way through Congress that would end up kind of increasing the FDA's oversight of the cosmetics industry, which is a $60 billion industry. And basically, there's there's a ton of legislation going on right now. Also, I don't know if any of y'all saw the Kardashians episode, but Kourtney Kardashian is involved in this too. So it's definitely something a lot of people are passionate about because um, it affects so many people. So... Yeah, I I just want to include that section to talk about 
how regulation of beauty products has been going on in the U.S. and how things are changing. And really just to say that it's something that we really need to, I guess, on an individual basis research since the government isn't really regulating things really at all, but uh, definitely not a lot. So I also want to go through, I'm sure you're asking yourself like, okay, so what are the bad things that we need to avoid in these cosmetics? And how do I know if my cosmetics or products have them in in them? So first of all, you can look in the ingredients list on any like makeup or lotions or fragrances, anything like that. And I wanted to break down some of the most common allergens to avoid Uh, There are like a ton of different ones, but these are just some most common one. So I want to break it down into three categories. The first is irritants and allergens. The second is possible endocrine disruptors. And then the third is possible uh, potential carcinogens. So the first category, irritants and allergens. Some commonly avoided in clean cosmetics allergens are methylizothiazolone or MI, and also methylchloroisothiazolinone, or MCI, fragrance, phenoxylethanols, petroleum distillates, and formaldehydes. That was a mouthful. They're all very complicated chemical names. So basically those long words that I used, um, the MI slash MCI, fragrance and formaldehyde, Those are all substances known to cause contact dermatitis, which is a pretty intense rash. So it's been noted as like the number, one of the top allergens, um, just because it causes so many people to have like negative skin reactions. Uh, So that's definitely something to look into specifically for everyone, but definitely if you have sensitive skin. And then uh, the second category, potential endocrine disruptors. So what are endocrine disruptors? Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that may mimic, block, or interfere with the body's hormones. Some common endocrine disruptors are triclosan and trichlorcoban, toluene, resorcinol, petroleum distillates, BHA, boric acid, and sodium borate, phthalates, placenta extract, parabens, and phenoxyethanol. So according to science, many studies show a direct relationship between these compounds and hormonal dysregulation. And uh, this research actually has been performed mostly in animals rather than humans and at extremely like way higher doses than people would typically be exposed to through like use of any cosmetic product or, um, or like lotion or anything. So that's why there's been some kind of controversy there just because it is on animals in higher doses but it has been shown to have a direct relationship between uh, these compounds and hormonal dysregulation so that's why this is a little bit more I guess controversial just because it's not studies on humans in the exact amount that people would be using it but it does have a direct relationship which is a little bit concerning So also there have been some human studies on this and they have related an increase in urinary or blood levels of these chemicals to endocrine disruption, but it's difficult to interpret if or how individual measurements of these chemicals in the fluids relate to exposure to these products, these cosmetic products. 
But overall, it has been shown that there is a relationship between these compounds and hormonal dysregulation. So it's definitely important to keep an eye out for these products in uh, the ingredients list on any of the cosmetics that you use. And once again, I'm putting the links in the show notes so you can see these like really fancy long scientific words to see if uh, they're in any of your products. And then the third category is potential carcinogens. And uh, carcinogens are basically just cancer-causing substances. So some commonly avoided uh, carcinogens that are or usually are avoided in clean cosmetics are 1,4-dioxane, formaldehydes, cold tar ingredients, petroleum distillates, and uh, placenta extract. And according to studies, formaldehyde has been named by the National Cancer Institute as a potential carcinogen because it's been linked to cancer formation in animals and humans at high doses. And formaldehyde also ranks among the top 10 most common allergens. Um, common contact allergens so basically a, a, you know a lot of people are allergic to these when they're put on their skin additionally coal tar products have been leaked to cancer uh, for instance like in chimney sweeps the coal tar is is using those and they're linked to cancer and then these products are also used in dermatology typically to treat psoriasis or eczema and this has been done according to research for years without any increased rate of skin cancer or internal cancers. So it's kind of like iffy because it is used to treat these these skin conditions and there hasn't been linked to skin cancer, but in different contexts and higher dosages, it is. So definitely something to look into more. And then 1,4-dioxane has been linked to cancer in animals. Um, and then also studies about placenta extract are kind of lacking in both animals and humans. So there's not a ton of research there, but most clean cosmetics are going to avoid it just because some say that it has some negative health impacts. And then another ingredient that is pretty much shown to be extremely harmful are PFAs. And According to a study of a large sample of cosmetics, over 50% of sampled cosmetic products contained high levels of harmful PFA ingredients. And PFAs, the long name, is polyfluoroalkyl substances. And they're actually used in a wide range of products. They're used as in Teflon for nonstick coating in pans, water-resistant packaging. But in all of these kind of uses and and um, products they've been linked to a host of adverse human health effects and um, can be toxic even at extremely low dosages so they're definitely harmful and in this study of all the cosmetics tested 52 percent contained uh, markers for pfas which is above a threshold needed to be considered in high like high concentration Um, And specifically, the cosmetics that had the highest concentration of these were face, lip, and mascara products. Um, For example, 82% of waterproof mascaras contained high levels of PFAs, which is absolutely insane. And then to go into like some of the side effects of PFAs are linked to multiple types of cancer, immune system disruption, and harm to developmental and reproductive systems. Also extremely concerning, um, of the products screened in this study, only 8% listed PFAs as an ingredient despite the researchers' findings showing that obviously there was a 
50 percent um, of the samples actually had PFAs, but they're saying that only eight percent had them in the ingredients. So this is really just due to the lack of regulation um, and regulatory requirements for these companies because they're not required to disclose all ingredients, even if high levels are present. So this is definitely concerning, which is another reason why I think we need to be voting for more regulation on cosmetics, or at least just like regulation of the ingredients so that we know what's in it uh, before buying it. So if you are anything like me, I feel like this research was a bit disheartening, but not all hope is lost. There are some action items we can do to really just make sure that we are using products that are healthy for us and clean for our um just are good for our well-being so some things that we can do as consumers is to look for symbols on our packaging for example there's a lot of seals that brands can use to meet qualifications that oftentimes are linked to more either like sustainable healthy cruelty-free standards so some examples of these are a leaping bunny that's one kind of like logo i guess that you can see on some of your products and that will mean that none of the ingredients or any uh, formula has been tested on animals by the company or companies that it contracts with and the leaping bunny brand it's basically certified as um cruelty free and to qualify for this a brand needs to be approved and it must apply uh, basically a cutoff date where they're not going to associate with any suppliers that do test on animals um, and then this impl- this also applies to not just the direct company but the supply chain down to the ingredient manufacturer so it's pretty strict um, and that's something to look out for just like uh, for animal rights and cruelty free products And then another common label is one that says made safe. And this means that the formula has either limited or no known or probably hazardous ingredients. And in order to get certified for this, companies have to submit detailed information on how the products are manufactured and like what the formula is behind them. So that's another logo you can look up. You can look up www.madesafe.org for more information on that label, just to keep an eye out for it. And then also non-GMO, we talked about this in a previous episode for uh, the grocery store, like food uh, background. And this label basically means the formula is not going to contain genetically modified ingredients. And then a fourth label is EWG Verified. And EWG is the Environmental Workers Group, and it basically means that this product cannot contain any of the thousands of the ingredients on the EWG's unacceptable list. And I actually really love this resource. I think the EWG is a great, a great uh, organization. They have a lot of research on organic foods, pesticides, um, even beauty as well. So I would definitely encourage you to look into that. I, I want to personally look into it more because I think they do a great job of keeping an eye out for like the toxic and unhealthy ingredients that we're exposed to every day. And they also have like a list of specific products that don't have, you know, the harmful chemicals in them. So it's great to just refer to when you're shopping for cosmetics 
or even just foods. They have a lot of things just about organic and non-organic food. And then another label to keep an eye out for is certified vegan. And this just means that it doesn't have any animal products or animal byproducts and it wasn't tested on animals either. And then the next one is Cosmos Organic. And this is actually an international seal that ensures that at least 95% of the plant ingredients within the products are organic and that the packaging is recycled or recyclable. So um, that's a great one too. And then another label is USDA Organic. Also just indicates that it's uh, organic and um, there weren't pesticides or GMOs involved. And the last one is a climate neutral certified logo and that means that a brand must show that it reduces and offsets its emissions to this group standards um basically is is a more green company so those are eight logos you can keep an eye out for i will also um this is a list that is going to be included also in the um show notes so you can look so you can kind of get a visual idea And we'll probably make like a TikTok or Instagram post about that too. So you can see that. And just for a side note, I know I talked about the environmental workers group. I really, I really love like the resources that they offer. And they actually launched a kind of like a separate entity within their group called the Skin Deep in 2004. And its objective is to educate the public about the ingredients in their cosmetics and personal care products. And it's great. I looked at this part of the website um, in depth when I was researching for this episode. And it just makes it a lot easier to understand some of the health concerns or hazards that can be in certain ingredients of cosmetics. It lays out like certain ones that are harmful and gives kind of like a shopper's guide. So I would definitely recommend looking into that. Um, And yeah, so... Those are some of the information that I found on just making sure that we use products that are safe for us and products that, um, you know, because I know the government doesn't regulate clean beauty as much as it probably should, um, it's really in our hands to make sure that we have clean beauty at our fingertips. So just to conclude the episode... I just want to really recommend everyone to look into the um, resources I am going to list in the show notes if you want to get a deeper idea of this and really just research it further on your own. It's a fascinating topic. I think it's absolutely insane that our government does not regulate cosmetics as much as it should. Um, So it's definitely something to be aware of also in voting, I guess, to to be... um, cognizant of that just looking into certain bills that are going to be passed to make sure the regulation is a little bit better and it's really just for the health and safety of all of us out there who are using cosmetics and any products really I guess like shampoo conditioner everyone's using some form of that so yeah well thank you so much for listening to this solo episode I know it's a little bit shorter than usual just because Simi, uh, the other half of the duo, isn't here, but she'll be back. So if you have any questions about this episode, please do DM us or leave us a comment in the, um, I think on on the episode in Spotify, you can leave a comment. 
please follow us on Instagram at DualityPod and on TikTok at Duality Podcast. And if you would be ever so kind, please leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that this uh, episode provided some insight into the beauty industry. We'll talk to you later. Bye.